This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. The moment once someone attaches you to a philosophy or a movement, then they assign all the baggage and all the rest of the philosophy that goes with it to you. And when you want to have a conversation, they will assert that they already know everything important there is to know about you because of that association. And that's not the way to have a conversation. Many of you will recognize that voice. That is, of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson was born October 5th, 1958, and is currently 63 years old. And you've doubtlessly heard of him and seen him pretty much, well, everywhere. Tyson is an astrophysicist and a science educator. And he's helped to teach science and astronomy and math and physics to hundreds of millions of people. He is, without exaggeration, certainly one of the three most recognizable, if not the most recognizable name in science in the world. So how did he get there? Well, Tyson grew up in the Bronx, a borough of New York City, and his love for the night sky began at an early age after he visited the Hayden Planetarium. And he found a love for astronomy and science in general, as well as intellectual role models at that planetarium. And so it's no wonder that he circled back there later in his career and is now its director. Tyson attended Harvard for his bachelor's degree in physics, the University of Texas for a master's in astronomy, and Columbia for another master's in astrophysics, followed by a doctorate in astrophysics there as well. So in researching for this episode, I visited his Vitae page on the Harvard Planetarium site, and while I already had a respect and appreciation for the man, wow! I mean, if you go and read that, it is multiple, multiple pages long. Talk about a life of accomplishments. I mean, it is truly almost unbelievable. Tyson falls squarely into the category of people who I'm not quite sure are actually human, because they seem to either stretch their time to have more than the rest of us, or they somehow are able to cram more into their time than the rest of us. Either way, not quite sure the man is human. And Tyson has been on TV shows, he's written books, he's done dozens of chapters and forewords, and he's taught courses and started podcasts and YouTube channels. You might recognize him from Star Talk or that he's been doing for years, or the Cosmos series that he released a number of years ago. And this is is incredible enough, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most in looking through his Vitae page that has all of his accomplishments and all the things he's done is that he has more than 20 honorary doctorate degrees. Now, I know the process for an honorary doctorate is not standardized and that Many people have many of them, but to see them listed and the schools from which they originate, it's just impressive. 20 honorary doctorates. Now, of course, he didn't complete coursework and a dissertation and a, and a thesis defense and all of those things in order to earn those. But there is no school that just hands these things out to anyone and everyone. So to have more than 20 of them, I thought that was fairly impressive. Anyways, enough fanboying. Tyson is great. Full stop. There we go. Part of the reason that Tyson is so well-known and prominent is that he writes and speaks incredibly well, and is perhaps the most 
approachable. You can't see me making quotation marks with my fingers, but I am. Science writer that I can think of. And as an engineer and scientist myself, I, and many others to be fair, have criticized the scientific community for speaking above the heads of nearly all humans, and only to a very specific, highly educated subset of humanity. And this is great for petitioning for grant money or impressing at a symposium or a conference, but it lands completely flat and ineffective for most people most of the time. Tyson, in his presentations, is not like that. He connects. He finds a way to connect, to meet his listener, viewer, or reader in a way that they can understand. He takes the time to think about and package his presentation of some really, really difficult, heady, and cutting-edge scientific theories and miasma, and then he gives it to us in book, audio, or video in such a way that even the most Neanderthalic among us, yours truly included sometimes, can say, oh, I get it now. That's impressive. That is a gift. That is a talent that is nurtured. That's no small feat when you consider that Tyson has explained things like black holes, string theory, fundamental particles, magnetism, particle accelerators, and the event horizon to a huge swath of people who have not yet, or ever, graduated from high school. That is a skill. Communication that connects is a skill. And it's harder than it sounds. Trust me, I have a podcast. That doesn't make me uniquely gifted in communication, but it does mean that I've thought about how to connect with listeners like you. A lot. Probably too much. But I digress. Tyson does this with apparent ease. He's so practiced and gifted that even the most unapproachable topics seem to conform themselves to his will when he speaks about them. Consider me, your humble host, quite jealous of that ability. But it's precisely that jealousy that leads me to want to study how he does what he does. How does Neil deGrasse Tyson break down complex theories, disaggregate them, put them back together, and then present them so that they make the most sense? Well, that's a long and tough question, but I want to try to tackle it after I let you listen to the quote one more time. And now that you know how much I admire the man, maybe the quote will be that much more profound. Maybe not. Either way, here it is once more. The moment once someone attaches you to a philosophy or a movement, then they assign all the baggage and all the rest of the philosophy that goes with it to you. And when you want to have a conversation, they will assert that they already know everything important there is to know about you because of that association. And that's not the way to have a conversation. And I actually think this quote, despite having almost nothing directly to do with science, is a great example of Tyson's approach to breaking down difficult topics. Let's look at what he's saying here, because as usual, it's broad. And since the context is important, Tyson is addressing a question that he gets a lot which is some variation of, what is your stance on God? What is your stance on religion? Are you an atheist? And of course, God, religion, and atheism are all very complex, highly charged, emotional issues for a lot of people. And Tyson's stance, as you heard in the quote, is to avoid a label at all. You might say, well, that's him avoiding the question, and that's more politician than scientist. Maybe, but I'd say not so fast. Consider a scientist, any scientist really, who works via the scientific method, 
the idea of a hypothesis with experiments and confirmation and retesting and refinement, etc., etc., etc. And we talked a little bit about this a few episodes ago in the Richard Dawkins episode on the topic of falsifiability and the acceptance of a hypothesis as legitimate. Well, here, Tyson is rejecting the hypothesis that he is an atheist because he is an astronomer and scientist. Many scientists, but certainly not all, are indeed atheists. They observe and study the natural world, and they don't observe evidence to support the hypothesis that a god of any kind created it. So, the question is not without anecdotal validity. However, as I said, not all scientists are atheists. Tyson may or may not be, but that's not the point of his quote. The point is to very carefully avoid ascribing to or being ascribed as a part of a specific group. Why? Well, because once someone or everyone thinks they know you, they will fence you in. Don't believe me? Consider the very origin of the question that Tyson is rejecting. Are you an atheist? Why would someone ask that if there wasn't some perceived connection between who they think Tyson is and what he believes? No one asked him for his opinion on Basmati Rice versus Jasmine Rice, or if he thinks that baseball managers wearing the team uniform in the dugout is silly, or if Ireland and North Ireland really should be different countries. Why? Because they're not related to his field. There's no readily apparent connection between those things and astronomy or astrophysics. So the very foundation to ask a scientist if they are an atheist is, in fact, a perfect example of what Tyson is pushing back against. Categorization and preconception based solely on affiliation. And we must all be careful of this trap. Consider this. And this is such low-hanging fruit, I hesitate to even use it as an example, but consider political partisanship. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's infuriating. Agreed. It's why we stay away from it, except in this instance. So forgive me. Take a single topic. Say, I'm going to try to pick something relatively benign. Um, I'm going to fail miserably here, but I don't know. Mail-in voting, which was and is kind of still a hot topic in America. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Those that are for mail-in voting say that it is a perfectly legitimate way to vote, to mail in your ballot. Those against say that it is fraught with potential for misuse and fabrication. So there's two sides to this, of course, like everything, and there are very passionate people on both sides. Now ask yourself this. If you knew a person's stance on that particular topic, how likely are you to think that you know which party, or at least which end of the political spectrum they lean towards? Probably, if you're an American at least, you would feel reasonably confident. Now that individual part is not technically bad. It's kind of harmless. I mean, the worst that could happen is you might look foolish at some point, assuming, and then finding out that you were wrong. But we rarely stop there. When you then extrapolate that one piece of information to other topics and say things like, well, since I know how you feel about mail-in voting, I know your stance on gun control and abortion and LGBTQ plus issues, immigration, national defense spending, various members of Congress, etc., well, now you're getting into some very shaky and dangerous territory. Taken further than that, you could then say, well, because I know your stance on mail-in voting, I therefore know your stance on these other topics, and now I can make a value judgment about you. You're a demon rat, and you're a MAGA bro. 
Well, now you've gone really off the deep end of logical thought. You have taken one piece of information, extrapolated, potentially wildly incorrectly, I might add, and made a value judgment about someone. And this is so common that it's almost laughable. And perhaps maybe there is no cure for it. But what Tyson is cautioning us through his rejection of the question's premise is to not allow labels to lead us to falsely think we understand someone or know where their stance on issues is or know how they'll discuss or argue a point on any given topic. Now, we've talked about this before on the show. As I've said, we know astonishingly little about the people around us. With very few exceptions, we know next to nothing about almost everyone. Significant others, children, very close friends, maybe we know some about them. Maybe we think we know a lot about them. But never all. And we go another layer outside of that, and our true knowledge of anyone is near zero. That's just a fact of human existence. Every single person has far too many experiences and decisions and inputs and stimuli for anyone other than that person to truly know. And knowing a single piece of information about someone does not mean that you know that person. If you know that Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist, you may think that you know other things about him, but you don't. You're making associations, you're taking mental shortcuts, you're using heuristics in an attempt to understand someone that is either fascinating or infuriating or whatever, but you don't really know that person. I remember growing up, someone gave the example of, you could know all of the statistics of a famous athlete. When I was a kid, it was Michael Jordan. As the example went, you could know all of the statistics about Michael Jordan. You could know his free throw percentage and his three-point percentage and his average fouls per game and the size of his shoes and the type of car that he drove, and all of these things. But if you walked up to Michael Jordan on the street and introduced yourself, he would have no idea who you were. And you still, even knowing all of those things, wouldn't know Michael Jordan. You would know things about him. You might be able to make reasonable, single, tiny, incremental steps away from those things into other things. But the more you try to piece somebody together from limited amounts of information and very few, if any, interactions, the less you know about them. And I'm not saying this is true, but consider, for example, that Neil deGrasse Tyson is not who he appears on TV and YouTube and in his books. Perhaps he's a terrible person at home. Perhaps he's abusive. Perhaps he's angry. Perhaps he's a drunkard. Perhaps any number of things. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are true, but I'm using it as an example. Because you've watched interviews, and because you've read his books, and because you've seen him on TV shows, and you've heard him make jokes and explain science, you don't know him. None of us do. So we have to be careful when we assume that we know things about people just because we know one or two small facts about them. So remember that as you go about your life looking for answers, asking questions, discussing things, debating things that you know nearly nothing about nearly all the people with whom you interact. Behave that way and proceed with caution. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. 
Find me on Instagram at QuotationsPod or join the conversation on Facebook at QuotationsPod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.